Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, can Red Dead Redemption 2 change the online multiplayer landscape? Why time is running out for Marvel on Netflix? And just how shaky is the future for GameStop? All this and more as we once again delve into the Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And especially everyone out there, want to give a big thank you again to Podbean and to the over 200 new subscribers to our channel. Thank you so much for subscribing. We truly appreciate it and hope you will, going forward, will appreciate everything we do out there and will like all of our programming, including all of our great shows on Monday, Friday, and everything else in between. But it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend. He is not the vacation planner that you have in mind, but he is in charge of Humanica Media. You got to check out everything that's going on with HumanicaMedia.com, Humanica Media on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and so much more. He is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. Man, I got to teach you, man, how to go ahead and order those hotel rooms in the right way. Hopefully we can get this worked out or else things might be kind of grim here. What stays in Vegas, you know what, you you know the rest. But I'll tell you what, it's going to be a great episode we got for you today. We've got Rob McCallum in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire. He's coming up later in the show to talk about a lot of great stuff that's going on in pop culture. Plus also as well, we've got our good friend Daphne Matthew from Talking the Dead and the Walking Dead fan base. Two awesome fan-devoted groups to The Walking Dead show that are available on Facebook to join. And, and all they do is talk Walking Dead all day long. So if you're a big fan, go ahead and join up with them. She is going to be talking a lot about what's going on as the mid-season break has happened already with The Walking Dead. So she's going to be talking a little bit about that and some, some of her thoughts on what's going on with the show overall. Plus, also, we are going to be talking about What's going on with Marvel on Netflix? Because that situation is becoming more dire each and every week. Another big cancellation. And a, this one actually was probably the, the saddest of them all. And then on the back end, we're going to be talking about the shaky future of GameStop. All is not well with GameStop right now, even though they, it looks like from all appearances, they had a pretty good Black Friday. But Overall, their sales are hurting, and we're going to talk about what's going on with the future of your favorite local GameStop coming up. 
But first, my friend, Red Dead Redemption 2 online is now coming out. It's, it's available pretty much right out there to everyone out there that has a game. It rolled out slowly depending on which version that you had. Little by little, day by day, they were allowing more people in. And a lot of great modes that are out there, including, surprise, surprise, a Battle Royale mode that a lot of people are really high on. They've got their own type of currency, you know, what you can do, special offers, special things that are in there, special guns, outfits, horses, get your posse together, whole nine yards. Your thoughts real quick on Red Dead Redemption 2's now foray officially into the online arena. I think they're going to be a major challenger to what's going on and help reshape the landscape of what's going on with multiplayer online and really set a force out there, maybe not to Fortnite, but to everyone else out there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it does. I remember the multiplayer for the first one was was kind of weird in the fact that you couldn't play in a closed server, so you and your buddies could be out there doing something else, and a, a posse of people you know, ride up on you and start shooting at you guys. And from there, it'll be like the whole thing in Halo, where someone, the moment someone starts like teabagging someone, it just becomes an all-out war. It sounds cool. I mean, if, if the multiplayer is anything like the, the single player, it, not in gameplay-wise, but in just, just the, the way that it draws people in, I think it'll be pretty cool. But is it going to be Deathmatch? Is it going to be your uh, King of the Hill? Does the multiplayer go along with the game? You know, can you play in gangs or posses or whatever it is? Like, is there a theme to the multiplayer? I think that's that's kind of what will or won't bring people into it. How are you feeling about it, though? Well, there are variations out there. There is, I believe, multiplayer versions that everybody's going to like if you're just into just a straight-up type deathmatch, almost like a King of the Hill. There's going to be robberies that are going to be involved for you know the bandit that's in you, if you like that sort of thing. But again, I mentioned that they're going to have their own battle royale mode with the time running out and getting into a tighter and tighter arena as far as less and less chance of of being able to escape, which is actually pretty good. I heard from what I all what I've seen as far as the footage and what the reviews were saying out there. There's a lot more as far as you getting together, gathering a posse, and a lot of good vibes from it. Plus, it also tells in type of a its own story, its own type of deviation from the main story that is Red Dead Redemption Two. That you're you're dealing with your own gang in that main story. But you're also dealing with something a little bit different in its own world because Rockstar, they've taken a lot of lessons from what they learned with GTA 5 and its online component, which over the course of several years has really become an outstanding product. And I, I just think that they're taking all that knowledge and experience they learned from GTA 5, plus also they're sprinkling in things that are really popular in the here and now, like I mentioned with the Battle Royale mode, but they didn't advertise it. They didn't go ahead and just throw it out there, and they just didn't do the lot of things that Call of Duty, Black Ops 4, and also Battlefield 5 was trying to do and force it down people's throats and say, hey, we're going to have this, we're going to have that, we're going to have this, we're going to have that. They just rolled it out there just put it out, new little bits and pieces day by day by day as more people got involved. And I think that's the way to do it because it just generates organically a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of interest, 
and a lot of things that they're going to be able to do long term that will keep interest in the online multiplayer facet of it. Now, the one catch is it is in the Western genre. So there's only so much that you can do as far as a contained environment and really throw nuances in there and, and try and to keep it fresh or whatnot. It's, you can't do as much as you can like you did with GTA 5. So I ask you, with all the parameters that's out there for the Red Dead Redemption 2 online component, but the fact is that it's not as, or it can't be as versatile or as in-depth as maybe some other modern formats or even futuristic ones, how long do you think Red Dead Redemption 2 can last as a viable multiplayer option for gamers out there? That's a good question because what makes everyone go back to Grand Theft Auto time and time again is the modability, right? So without that, Red Dead, as soon as it loses its novelty, as soon as people get tired of it, there's not going to be a lot of reason to go back to it. Like a lot of multiplayer games keep adding content over and over, right? Like Overwatch and uh, Fortnite and games like that. But if Red Dead is not constantly offering fans something new to experience. I think that those fans are going to drop off and start playing other things. Whereas with Grand Theft Auto, what makes people want to go back to it time and time again is the fact that you can mod and every time you jump in and play the game, it's almost feels like a new game because you're playing something new. So it depends on if they're going to cater to the modding community. And from what I understand so far, they don't have any plans on doing that. So I'm I'm curious to see how that plays out and what their plans are and all that good stuff. So we'll see, man. But GTA 5 not only supported the modding community, they also constantly put dated or themed DLC into it, whether it was a certain type of holiday or certain type of event they would go ahead and incorporate that within the, the GTA 5 because it was a modern type uh, formatted game. But also they put in things like Hot Wheels and made like a, you know, a race car track and all that good stuff as far as from that end. It made it that something on the side that was very interesting. They also added the robberies that you had to go ahead and plan and, and get with your crew together and, and work that out as far as trying to go ahead and scope out what exactly was going to go on as far as whatever bank or jewelry store that you're going to hit and 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 the success ratio on that so that end of it i could see being incorporated into the red dead redemption 2 online experience what i'm just worried about like you said as well is the variation of things that you could do in gta 5 you're not able to go ahead and do in red dead redemption 2 it's online component just because of the fact that it takes place in the western format and, and there's a finite amount of things that you can actually throw into it otherwise it's going to make it unrealistic so i agree with you wholeheartedly that's where the modding community comes in and right now since red dead redemption 2 has no plans of being on pc as of now although that could change that's going to be an issue for Rockstar, maybe not sooner, but at some point in time, maybe within the next six months, nine months, year from now, because there's going to be other alternatives that are out there that are saying, hey, Red Dead Redemption 2 is not evolving with the times. It's not throwing enough DLC that's going to be variating out there. It's going to be the same thing over and over and over. Maybe you can go ahead and come to our game instead. 
the big game out there as far as an online component by far and away is Fortnite, which now has garnered what over 200 million players from the last time i heard from reports that are out there with Fortnite out there being the big boy on the block and the online component is red dead redemption 2's online multiplayer going to be something that might take a even a small chunk out of when it comes to the Fortnite machine that's out there because it is something different for now. Even if it, they do whatever they can to keep it fresh, do you think they can go ahead and be a viable alternative that will actually take people away from Fortnite and actually for a while at least play Red Dead Redemption 2 online? Oh, that's an interesting question because you know we talk about Call of Duty, we talk about Battlefield, stuff like that, and it's weird because as we get further and further into the life cycle of red dead, I'm hearing more and more people who really loved it at first, but are slowly dropping out of it. So I want to know, you know, if there's any way to find out, I'd love to know what the numbers are now compared to what they were when the game first came out, you know, as for multiplayer, like a lot of people, I like casual gamers, a lot of casual gamers I've talked to, they've only played it because it was, you know, it was a, a, I almost want to say a movement in gaming. Like it was something people really wanted to play. Everyone's talking about it. But once they were done with the single player, they had no intention of playing the multiplayer. So it's all very interesting because the, the multiplayer in Ray Dead has never been fun. You know, it's the novelty of it. It's like when Mass Effect 3 said they were having a multiplayer mode come out. And we all played it. And we all played it for a few nights. And then we're like, oh, okay, this is cool. And then we moved on to something else. So what is it that red dead has that's going to draw people in what what is the factor that's going to keep them coming back night after night after night because you know halo call of duty battlefield all these games have replayability they're they're fun things they have big communities but what is the community going to be like in red dead and how is rockstar going to cater to that community i think that's the important question i can't really make any speculation until i see that but you know do you have any predictions coming out about how that's going to be coming out the gate I think it's going to be strong coming out the gate just because a lot of people have faith in Rockstar after five years of GTA 5 being a very, very solid to at times being a great online component. Whether or not people will stick with it nine months to a year, that's a different story. I mean, if you're inside Rockstar anyways, you know your sales are not going to be anywhere near what GTA 5 is because GTA 5 is a what? By the end of its life cycle, by the end of the, the real just of its sales, it's probably going to end somewhere right around $100 million in sales because it's pretty darn close to it at this point in time. So you're not going to expect Red Dead Redemption 2's online base of players and also the matter of sales be anywhere near $100 million. I mean, that's almost a once-in-a-lifetime deal where we're seeing a Fortnite and then also before that GTA 5 reached that level of success. But even if it gets, what, one quarter, one half of that success, that's still a 40 to 50 million copies that are out there, 40 to 50 million potential players that could play your game online. And that, to me, is still a wide base that could be there. Rockstar has to take the steps to try and keep people interested in, like you were saying, that was some very great thoughts you had on that. I think initially a lot of people are going to be giving it a shot. They are going to like the concept of becoming part of someone's posse that's made up or someone online or, or even make their own and playing their version of the battle Royale or the multiplayer or the death match or whatever it is that they're 
going to be able to go ahead and do within the Red Dead Redemption 2 online functionality. I just think after nine months, a year, I don't think we'll be talking about Red Dead Redemption 2 online functionality in the same way that we did with GTA 5, even a year, two years, three years down the line, coming up with new innovative and interesting DLC that they kept on adding in there that kept people coming back for more and more and more each day. I just don't see after a year people still talking about Red Dead Redemption 2's online component in the same way that they do now or in the same fashion that they do a Fortnite, a Call of Duty, or even a Battlefield Five. Right, right. And, you know, we all remember the days when multiplayer was, you know, in its advent. You know, you had your Halos, your even GoldenEye, I'd say, was, was like the beginning of all that. So multiplayer game enthusiasts, they know what they're looking for out of something. And if Red Dead fails to offer that, then those numbers are going to drop pretty darn quick because there's, you know, like we've discussed before, there's so many games out there you have a very brief amount of time to capture somebody's interest. And if you don't meet that criteria, then they're gone and you're not going to get them back. Couldn't have said it better myself. And we'll have to wait and see what Red Dead Redemption's online component is going to do as far as all the different variations that it's going to offer consumers. I think upfront, it will actually do fairly well. I think we'll actually garner a piece of the marketplace it might not put a large dent in Fortnite at any point in time, but I think it will take people away from Call of Duty, away from Battlefield 5, away from even Fallout 76, especially because that online component has been riddled with bugs and players out there that are just really not happy overall with the product. So Fallout 76 could suffer substantially, and I know sales are not meeting anywhere near what they hoped it would be. with. Call of Duty Black Ops 4 with Red Dead Redemption 2. Those games are out there. They're going to probably be the leaders as far as console multiplayer, not named Fortnite for at least the short term. Whether or not Call of Duty and Red Dead Redemption 2 can sustain its player base for the long term, that's up to whatever DLC that they're going to offer. That's up to whatever options and modes that they're going to offer. you got to keep changing it up for the player base out there. Fortnite does a wonderful job of that with its seasons, with its variations, with its in-game events, with its tie-ins to other things that are out there. For instance, like what they did during the Affinity War era when, when they were adding Thanos into the game. We need to see things like that with Call of Duty Black Ops 4 and especially with Red Dead Redemption 2, we need to see innovative things to the table. Otherwise, they're just going to be eaten up in the online multiplayer space to games like Fortnite, night in and night out. What are your thoughts out there on Red Dead Redemption 2's online component? Are you really excited for it? Are you playing it right now? Please let us know your thoughts because we'd love to hear from you as far as if this is going to be an online component you're going to stick with for the long term because we'd love to share those thoughts with everyone out there. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also, PopCultureCosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, coming up next, we've got Daphne Matthew from Talking the Dead and the Walking Dead fan base Facebook groups. She's going to be talking about 
everything that she's feeling right now off the top of her head when it comes to the halfway point of season nine with The Walking Dead. Plus, also later on in the episode, we've got Rob McCallum in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire talking some more great pop culture. And, you know, Josh and I, we love talking pop culture as well. And we're going to be talking about Marvel and Netflix. That love affair seems to be getting closer and closer to a breakup. Plus, also, the future of GameStop isn't so rosy anymore. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game? Then check out Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun, or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. And we're back with the show. Once again, it's Gerald coming right back at you here. The Walking Dead hit its mid-season, season season nine. It's halfway through already. Time flies. I don't know where it goes, but obviously a lot of walkers got killed along the way. And a lot of things did happen. It's probably the most momentous season in quite some time with all the people exiting the show, the big names either dying or getting moved on to other projects and whatnot. And here to break down the season at the midway point is our good friend. She is the curator of the Walking Dead (laughs) fan base, but also Talking the Dead 18 plus. She is our good friend. It is Daphne Matthew. What's going on, Daphne? I'll tell you what. Season nine is closing out on a note that I think a lot of people are kind of angry about so far when it comes to the Walking Dead. Yeah, a lot of people are upset. Tom Payne, Jesus, uh, the character Jesus died, unfortunately. I was not surprised. I knew it was coming. And I I think he was not surprised either because he didn't actually feel thrilled about the way his character was going. Well, I mean, I get a lot of information from various sources. And back in season eight, he very loudly complained about his lack of screen time, we'll say. Jesus is a big character in the comic. He is huge. I think Jesus is still alive, and we're nearly close to 200 comics. Jesus came on, I mean, when Tom Paine's came in as Jesus in season six, he came in with a bang. If anybody goes back to season six, when Jesus first came on the show, it was amazing. Him, Rick, and Daryl fighting. And then all of a sudden, it was like he was kind of like phased out. He openly complained about, you know, the lack of screen time. Here is a gentleman in his 30s, from, also from the UK. Go UK. We have a lot of UK actors on that show where he had did martial arts training for two years. And his big fight was with Morgan, which is like, it's kind of weird because they were supposed to be like familiar to each other, friends. And his big fight is with 
another big character. So he wasn't very happy about it. He vocalized his dislike of the direction of his character. He mentioned in an article in March of this year, and I kind of knew when I read that article that he was leaving because he hinted at Jesus's lifespan was finite. There was an end to it coming. And he also complained about the fact that he didn't want to do a character indefinitely. He sort of like Andrew Lincoln. And also the fact that, you know, when he was on the show and filming, he wouldn't get a full script. He wouldn't know he was filming into maybe a day before. So, you know, he did mention on the Talking Dead after the mid-season finale, which he was overjoyed to be there. I, I was shocked. He was really happy. Maybe it's because he just got engaged. I don't know. But he said, um, basically, um, Angela Kang called him and told him, you know, the week before he was supposed to film his episode where he, the midseason finale where he died, that, you know, you're going to die in the midseason finale. He's like, okay. I mean, he was like, as long as I get a good death, I don't care. So well, that was his stance on the whole matter. He got engaged, but he also got divorced from a show, but he got engaged. Yeah. In life, so Maybe that's yeah. why he was so Absolutely. happy. Actually, the words, his words was, as long as it's an epic death, he was satisfied with him departing the show. He wasn't very happy. I'm going to say this because I think this is also part of my rant, and I want to make it crystal clear to the fans out there. These people act for a living. Okay, whether it's on The Walking Dead, it's in a movie, it's on a different show. These people are actors. This is how they live. And if they decide to leave the show to pursue better opportunities for financial reasons, we shouldn't hold that against them. Okay, because first of all, acting is a very sketchy profession to be in in the first place. Okay, it's risky. You could go years without being on the show. Tom Payne even said it in his on the Talking Dead. When he got the role of Jesus on the Walking Dead, he was rejoicing because he was living at home in his 30s, living at home. And he maxed out his credit cards because there were no roles there. So we have to respect these actors decisions. This is how they make their living. Okay, and especially for a woman after the age of 35 in Hollywood is considered old. They don't get cast as often. So if Lauren Cohan, who is 36, is offered a role on a different network that's going to pay her more, thank her for her time and wish her well. Andrew Lincoln just turned 45. This is one of the few actors on The Walking Dead who's never done a show or a movie outside of The Walking Dead, the 10 plus years he's been tied to the show. And people are mad with him and are making comments about, oh, when his bank account is zero, he'll come back. Andrew Lincoln was a well-known actor in the UK before The Walking Dead, okay? He had done work in the US before The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead did not make him, and him leaving the show will not break him. So... As much as we love these characters, we've grown to love them, we've come attached to them, we need to respect their decisions as individuals because this is how they live. 
Okay, we have nine to five jobs, most of us, and we have to go to work every day. You know what? We'll lose our job or we don't get paid. So that thought process we have with our commitments on a daily basis to our families, to whatever we do in our professions, we need to apply that to these actors and stop thinking that they are obliged to continue on a show. And that is my final thoughts and my op-ed on Facebook and the Walking Dead fan base and also in talking to Dead about the state of affairs with the Walking Dead, Gerald. You can check out her thoughts and the thoughts of so many other Walking Dead fans out there on the Walking Dead fan base and Talking the Dead. As always, Daphne, it's great to have you on the show. I wish you and your family a happy holiday season. Maybe you should go ahead and watch some back episodes of The Walking Dead for that layover in between now and February because, you know, there's going to be a little bit of time in there. Or maybe take a vacation from The Walking Dead for a little while. I'm actually just starting a trivia contest in The Walking Dead fan base next week. So I'm, I'm still with The Walking Dead. For those who don't know, I just became a grandmother. So I'm also doing grandma duty. So if anybody wants to join us in the Walking Dead fan base, we do trivia every Tuesday and Thursday. I just gave away an autograph, Lucille, signed by Jeffrey D. Morgan. So the prizes are there. You have to be in it to win it. And with that, I'm going to say goodnight to you, Gerald. Have a great holiday. To you and your beautiful family, and we will talk again in February, or if not sooner. Well, you're always welcome to come back on the show to talk anything <laughs> about pop culture, The Walking Dead, or anything else. It's always just great to have you a part of the pop culture cosmos. Mm, nothing's better when grilling your favorite meal than adding some delicious Wheelie Q rubs, seasonings, and gluten-free barbecue sauce. Made with the finest ingredients, Wheelie Q products pack a ton of flavor to your meals, whether it's ribs, chicken, steak, hamburgers, fries, or vegetables. To get your hands on some of these tasty Wheelie Q items, head on over to www.wheelieq.com and a portion of all profits made will go into finding a cure for spinal muscular atrophy. Pop Culture Cosmos listeners, Act now and get 15% off your order just by entering the promo code POD1, that's P-O-D, and the number one at checkout. For the tastiest food on the grill, nothing's better than Wheelie Q items today at wheelieq.com. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here. Let everybody know out there, we've got a lot of things going on. But first off, if you need to catch our show and you need to find out exactly where it's playing and how it's playing and what it's playing on, check out our Facebook page at Pop Culture Cosmos. Right there, you're going to see a listing of everywhere we're on as far as radio stations because we're being played on the radio somewhere in the world seven days a week. And we truly cannot thank all the radio stations that do play us. Plus, also, we're on over 30 different podcast outlets, including Podbean, which, again, I told you earlier, just cannot thank them enough for allowing us to be featured. And now, and, and last week was the podcast of the week. And also, iTunes, Spotify, and so many other different outlets. Just cannot thank them enough for picking us up as well. But we've got a lot of other great things to talk about. Our game night coming up on the 15th. 
at Retro City Games in Henderson to benefit charities like Three Square, Make-A-Wish, and also UMC Children's Hospital. Just a lot of great stuff going on, man. Like, what a great time it is for Pop Culture Cosmos, but it also is for Humanic Media as well. We got a lot going on, actually, after the new year, so you'll be hearing about that soon. But yeah, Topic Ocalypse, we're just trying to get all the content that we've had recorded. We, we're kind of backed up on content, so I'm trying to trickle it out to you guys. And we just actually recorded a new episode of the PCC Gamescast, so I'm hoping to get that up before the information expires like it has so many times before when I've recorded that show. But yeah, keep looking out for things, and we'll we'll be putting it out soon. But for now... Just check out Top Clips on Podbean, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and all the usual places. Including the Podcast Radio Network every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. My friend, at the tail end of last week, Netflix has done it once again. They canceled Daredevil, the long-running series, the three seasons now. There's going to be no season four. It was actually the first of the Marvel Netflix shows to air on their network. Your thoughts on Daredevil and Netflix. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like for now it's going to be playing anytime soon on Netflix after the cancellation. But there is a slight hope that at some point in time, Disney has indicated that you might see Daredevil again sometime in the Disneyverse, maybe even on Disney+. Plus. So I've had a lot of conversations about this. One, it was no surprise that Daredevil got canceled you know they they were had high hopes for season four and i know the showrunner had actually as eric olsen had actually pitched a season four to netflix and they were talking about it and you know clearly that's not going to happen now but what this shows is that if daredevil which is the flagship franchise of that whole netflix disney deal if that's getting canceled then it's done. Like there's nothing. They're they're not going to make any more series. They're not going to be any defenders. We don't even know how far into production Jessica Jones is. We know season two of The Punisher is is more than halfway through, but no one's heard anything about Jessica Jones. So the odds are high that that's not going to come to fruition. Maybe we'll get the next season of The Punisher, but I think their partnership is over. There's been a lot of speculation, you know, and and assumptions in that closing interview saying that like, hey, we look forward to more adventures of the uh you know the devil of hell's kitchen and and you know marvel's got plans for them what does that mean though it's very vague is that charlie cox's daredevil going to be transferred over to disney or are they going to get someone new is daredevil going to become campy because what was great about the netflix shows was that they were dark and they got to explore that dark side that was always in the comic books that we don't get in the normal mcu so What's going to happen at this point is anybody's guess. But with Disney going to war with Netflix, I don't think we're going to be seeing a lot of Jessica Jones. We're not going to be seeing a lot of The Punisher. We'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll get that, but I think that's going to be the end of it. And what would be cool, what would be the honorable thing to do on Disney's part is if they welcome the actors from these shows into it. Because, again, you know, like the CW does, if it doesn't carry on that continuity, they're just creating unnecessary shows and links like cw does with like the flash and arrow and stuff because we've already gotten used to these characters they've already alluded to being part of the greater mcu so if they completely reboot them then it's just going to make it feel redundant and you know a lot of people are really attached to these characters so that's what makes me sad but you've got some thoughts on it i'm sure what do you think well actually that was pretty good so i'm not sure if i'm going to have anything to top that but moving to what we're talking about with Netflix and Marvel, 
because the automatic thing that people think are thinking about is, yeah, it's going to be ending up on Disney Plus. I'm not sure content wise it's what's going to be acceptable as far as the content, as far as the, you know, the language or anything that Disney Plus is going to allow. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. I don't know what their basis is, but having the Disney name on it might be something that they might be apprehensive about as far as having Daredevil the way it was on Netflix be the same way on Disney Plus. I'm going to throw out there something at you and, and tell me what you think. As far as the acquisition with Disney and Fox, one of the things that they are keeping at Disney is FX. So I ask you, my friend, could it be a possibility, even a small one, that Daredevil doesn't go to Disney Plus, but actually goes to FX or whatever they're going to eventually call it instead? You know, that's an interesting question, too, because I was just reading an interview with the guy that wrote Prometheus and Alien Covenant, and he was saying that he had actually pitched a movie that would kind of close those sequel movies. And he was saying he pitched it to Fox and Fox loved it. But Fox had actually said, we can't move forward with this at this moment in time because we don't know what Disney wants to do. So is Disney going to want to produce darker films, darker shows or whatever it is? And so they decided at this moment in time, they're not moving forward with the alien movies. So, you know, that being said, I know FX has always been like the more adult side of that, but with a show like Daredevil, who really gets dark and it's already affiliated with Marvel, I, I'm curious to know how far they would be willing to go with it because we don't have a lot of, you know, in the existing MCU as Disney has it, we don't have a lot of darkness and um, stuff like that. So I like that idea, but I don't, I don't see it happening because, and I don't even see. I'm curious what's going to happen to FX because honestly, like. If Fox just made that PG-13 Deadpool for Disney and it's kind of it makes me wonder, man, what are they going to do with these darker properties? Are they going to, uh, you know, retcon them completely or are they going to recreate them or let them continue on as they are? You know, it's weird because Disney through, you know, shell companies, subsidiaries, they own companies like Lionsgate. And I know they they used to I don't know if they still do, but they used to own huge stakes in the, like the adult film industry. But Fox has been such a heavily publicized thing that I I think that there's going to be a lot of eyes on this. So Disney can't get away with just saying, oh, hey, we're going to make this and let it slide by. So I don't know, man, like that would be cool. I would love to see that. But, you know, again, Daredevil is one of those stories that needs to be told unrestrained. I agree with you on that. I think it's really good. And I think it really does play well and has played well. Over the course of three seasons, especially that first season, that first season of Daredevil, I think is very much responsible for the love fest that became Marvel and Netflix. And a reason why Jessica Jones, The Punisher, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, and The Defenders all came to being, in my opinion, was the tremendous success of the first season of daredevil on netflix and how good that show was and the response it got from it i think if that had been poorly received you wouldn't have seen all this come to fruition over the course of the past two three years and whatnot so i think netflix and marvel owe a great debt of gratitude to daredevil for actually becoming a successful show unfortunately it has seen its demise on netflix i do see at some point that show may be being revived in some form, in some fashion, on some network, whether it's Disney Plus, FX, or something else. 
I don't see them giving up on that show specifically, you know, 100%. They're going to do something with that character at least. So we'll have to see what happens. But we're now down to two, my friend. And you said Jessica Jones days, pretty much of the two, those days are numbered. Do you see a point in time after the season two of The Punisher is over that they're going to cancel both Jessica Jones by that time and The Punisher soon after? And do you see the fact that after the new year in 2019, that after those episodes air of The Punisher, that the Netflix Marvel Love Fest could be no more? I already feel like it is no more. We, we're we're seeing it fall apart as we you know as we as we speak. And you know Netflix always does that thing where they're like, hey, let's cancel something and release the news on Friday and see how long it takes to pick up momentum. What's the real shame about this is that if they don't give us closure on these, they're they're gonna just reboot these characters and not give us closure on these things that we've spent, you know, the past five or six years investing ourselves in. And that's what I've always given Marvel credit for is not being the CW, you know, you know, not or not being Warner Brothers, not making something and say, hey, this is going to be going on for a while. And then, oh, by the way, we're rebooting this or doing something like that. Marvel's always been pretty good about that. So if they don't give these characters the endings they deserve on, you know, on the Disney Plus, then I think there's going to be a, a lot of issues. And if they try to reboot the characters, I don't think people are going to catch on to them as as well as they did these ones. I agree with you on that. It probably won't catch on as well if it's not the same type of content that they're used to seeing on Netflix. But we'll have to wait and see. Marvel has said that there will be a future for its characters in some form or fashion going forward in the future outside of Netflix because the days of Marvel and Netflix, from all intents and purposes, will soon be over. What are your thoughts out there on the cancellation of Daredevil on Netflix? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Coming up next, we've got Rob McCallum in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire. And then right after that, we're going to close out the show with Josh and I talking about the future of GameStop and how it looks pretty shaky from a brick-and-mortar standpoint. We'll talk about that at the back end of the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. And back with the Cosmic Crossfire. You got to check out everything going on today at his site, robmccallumfilms.com, which gives you the latest and greatest on what's going on in his world when it comes to all of his films, all of his documentaries, all of his projects coming up, and so much more. It is my good friend. It is Rob McCallum. So pray tell, Rob, what's in your mind when it comes to pop culture? Cliff Blazinski says he will never make another video game again. Of course, Cliffy B is uh, known uh, for Epic Games and Gears of War, Unreal Tournament, and Rune. 
And after, I think, a three or four hour argument on Twitter, he says, you'll never make another video game again on Facebook. He says, I know I don't post much on here, but with recent news that came off my tweet statement, I thought I'd say some stuff. I really honestly feel over it, making games. We're in a polarized world in which we yell at each other through the glaze of glowing rectangles when we could be kind to one another in person. We're in a world where it's cooler to watch other people play one to three games than actually want to play one yourself. We're in a world where you're measured by the number of likes, subscribes, and impressions you get. We're in a world where expectations of of a product are so off the charts as our marketing budgets, the game budgets are so crazy that the average consumer couldn't wrap their head around the cost of making said product. I'm honestly not bitter. I literally saw Mark Rain last night, had a hug, caught up, all good. My nephew did a Fortnite dance for him, of course. Games were good to me, however. The thought of doing it again truly doesn't appeal to me. You haven't seen the thousand-yard stares that I've gotten from other developer friends who haven't been able to retire when we have a pint and they're done with work. The non-stop dysfunction. No one knows what they're doing, and those who hit it big are just as talented as they are lucky and have good timing. Most have families, and the instability of business terrifies them. Hell, it scared me not having kids. Imagine fearing for your job and being encouraged to work 12-plus hours a day, six days a week, just to provide for your family, which is my number one job now, focusing on friends and family, including my doggy family. What do you think about that? Cliffy B retiring from games. Is this going to hold true? Is this just a passing thought or is he done forever? Well, I've been told never to say never. So I'm going to say at some point in time, he may delve back into the gaming scene, but does he really have the track record from recent past to even say that whatever he works on is going to be success? Because after he left the Gears of War series and you know the epic changeover and went over to Microsoft and all that, his magic touch just seemed to falter. Lawbreakers obviously was not very successful at all. It was a flop and unfortunately didn't pan out very well. And he's saying it didn't make him bitter, but my gosh, it sure looks like it seeing it from afar. I remember the days when I saw him at an E3 walk by at arm in arm, young lady in hand, or walking by him having the Cheshire cat grin, looking at all of us sitting on the side as he walked by. I can imagine what his thoughts would have been at that point in time, but you know, he was living on, on cloud nine way back when at that E3 we were at. And these days, unfortunately, life changes and, and things happen. And yeah, he still can live off of his success from, from the past, but I think at some point in time, he'll get that itch once again. It's just going to take some time away from the industry. But when he does, will anyone actually care? Because his last performance was not something to crow about at all whatsoever. I think it's really hard to say that you're ever done. And I don't think it's ever wise to say that you're ever done. It's always better to say we're taking a break. We're going to let to see. We're going to see how things develop. Because why, why would you ever close the door on something that's been intrinsically who you are, even if the industry is changing? You can find another way to be a part of something, even if you don't know what that is right now, even if you're burnt out right now, things can always change. So I think it's kind of foolish of Cliff, who, by the way, is a supporter of box art. He's actually one of our producers on the series that via Kickstarter, he was he was a backer and we really appreciate his support. But I just don't understand why you'd ever say I'm done doing something, especially when he's been doing this for so long. I get that the industry has changed and isn't in touch with itself. And there's a, there's been a ton of different, you know, reported stories over the last year in particular, you know, look at Telltale, look at even Rockstar with the releasing of Red Dead Redemption 2 and, and the stuff that they had to go through in order to get that release, that this is just on par with all that stuff, but never, ever say never, right? Look at Sean Connery. I'll never play James Bond again. 
and then he's James Bond again with Octopussy. Exactly. And I love to use the professional wrestling stories and analogies from time to time. And I think Terry Funk would probably be the best analogy to say that kids, I think he's had five or six retirement matches at some point in time. Uh, and he's still actually, you know, if, if he could, I think he'd still get out there today. And I, I'm sure in the recent past, he has actually at, at 70 plus years old. So whenever someone these days says they're done, they're done, they're done. It goes in one ear, it goes out the other, because I actually don't believe it. I, I would actually have to see it to believe it. I agree. I agree 100%. Rob, it's always great to have you right here in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is Gerald Glassford once again talking right back at you here along with my good friend Josh Peterson. Thanks so much to Daphne Matthew from Talking the Dead and the Walking Dead fan base for joining us once again on the show, talking The Walking Dead. And I couldn't get all of what she wanted to say and elaborate on because she just had so many great things to talk about. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a collaboration of what she talked about in November and then now with what's going on with the mid-season ending and the mid-season finale. I'm going to put them together and make a one big episode as our special love letter to Walking Dead fans. That'll be coming sometime this month, hopefully as part of our PCC Presents on our Pop Culture Cosmos, so look out for that. And thanks also as well to Rob McCallum for once again being in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire. Check out all of his great stuff today at robmccallumfilms.com. Josh, before we head on out, my friend, GameStop, man. If you were there during Black Friday, you, it looked like on the surface there wasn't any problems. There were big lines, people waiting to go ahead and buy a lot of games, a lot of systems. But lo and behold, there's a bigger story to what's going on with GameStop at this point in time because recently a lot of analysts are actually downgrading their stock as a publicly traded option that's out there because the fact that looks like GameStop is reporting a loss of $488 million in the third quarter of 2018. This comes about despite hardware sales, accessories, and other products in the video game marketplace still having a solid upward trend with the PlayStation 4 still selling pretty good, Xbox One still selling pretty good as well, but the Nintendo Switch having its best sales during the holiday season. So I ask you, my friend, with that big step that's out there with GameStop admitting a big loss, the brick-and-mortar stores out there, the future for those stores are not looking as solid as they once did. And you and I have talked about this over the course of two, three, four years, even back when we were on the GameStores podcast. Not everything looks rosy when it comes to GameStop, and the way we are purchasing games is now changing the future for this company in the long term 
maybe it's not looking good for those who like to go ahead and go to their local GameStop to buy a video game. Yeah. So, you know, we, we've talked about this before. The idea, like, well, I used to like to go out and do the midnight releases of video games. And, you know, there used to be huge lines, big communities of people coming together, gamers just sitting there. You, you know, you didn't really know anyone, but you can sit in the line, and have a good conversation with someone. These days, though, you go do like the midnight releases and there's hardly anybody there. Everyone kind of trickles in and out. But instead, you go on social media, you know, when big games come out, God of War, Red Dead, whatever it is, you see people's timers going off saying, hey, you, we have an hour till this game starts downloading. Oh, cool. You know, in the long run, I don't, you know, I like the idea of digital games. I like how Microsoft encourages people to purchase digitally by offering deals, 30, 40% off things. But GameStop thrived mostly on game trading, right? So they had, you know, you'd buy something and you beat it within the week and you can take it back and you get, you know, a whole lot of store credit towards the next big game you want to play. But when you purchase digitally, you don't get to do that. You don't have anything to, you're just stuck with this game and it gets, you know, downloaded into your hard drive and there's nothing to trade in. So I think that people love the convenience of it. the same reason they love going to Amazon as opposed to Target or, or you know, Sears or wh wherever. That's what GameStop's losing out to. And GameStop, you know, if they had an online presence, they had an app and people could download games off the app. I think that that would be a whole different story. But unfortunately, the culture of game trading is not a thing anymore, especially with game sharing becoming so popular. If you game share with someone, you don't have to go and buy the game someone else buys it and you get to play it so there's not a lot of need to trade games i personally still like to trade my games and when i'm done playing them i like having something something physical something tangible that i can use and then go get something new with but you know i think convenience is always gonna to trump economics no pun intended there but what are your thoughts on this because i, I always wonder if i'm the only person who thinks this no you're not because I don't want to say older. Well, you know what? I will say it. Older gamers like us, we like the more traditional methods of going ahead and buying a game physically and then going ahead, like you said, and trading it in at some point in time. But that's not to say that we're just hard, fast, and steadfast not to go ahead and buy anything off the online because I did, during the Black Friday season, buy games both physically and and online, depending on where the deals were, depending on where the best prices were at, depending on which online servicer or online medium or whether I had to go to the store. I was just interested in getting the best prices. So I went all over. I'll give you an example. On Black Friday, during that course of that time, I purchased games at a brick and mortar like GameStop, but I also purchased from bestbuy.com and also playstation store and gamestop.com so i purchased all these games through various means but it just was me for trying to search out the best prices that i could get for the products that i wanted to go ahead and get at for a lot of people like you've talked about before that you pointed out you can just go ahead and order off your phone any point in time if you're okay with going ahead and just going and getting the online version you know that you don't want a physical copy. More and more people are changing to that type of format. And there's even talk with consoles coming up in the next wave of consoles with PlayStation 5 and the, whatever the new Xbox will be, that they won't even have physical media and that they'll only be able to take in a download component. Yeah, that was one of the big things too. And I know if that ends up being successful for Microsoft, it's only a matter of time until... 
Sony starts looking into it. And, you know, assuming it gets to that point, like that could put physical copies really just out of business. Like stores like Target and Best Buy, like they wouldn't even, there would be no reason to meddle in video games anymore. Like I know back when I worked at Best Buy, they did sell the codes, you know, you can go buy the codes for the games or whatever, but there's no motivation to go into the store and even amazon who sells digital games like the digital games are never on sale the physical copies are always on sale so i'm curious to know what the economics of that is but again like obviously buying a physical copy of something is better for people it's better for the economy it's better for the gamer who might want to go trade something in afterwards but you really just can't beat the convenience of not having to leave your house and that says a, a lot of very sad things about us as a society but you know it's it's one of those things you don't have i guess on the upside you don't have to worry about going in and finding that your your game is sold out but even now you don't have to worry about that anyways because again people sit at home and download the games instead of playing them so the future landscape of game purchasing is is one that I don't understand and I'm not really anywhere near comprehending. I can make assumptions about it and I could tell you how I feel about it. I don't like it, but yeah, it's it's just it's very interesting, especially like when this console launches for Microsoft. I want to know how people feel about it cuz like you can read the comments and you know video game players are always very divisive on how they feel about these types of issues, but we don't really know anything we won't know anything until something comes out that says that mandates you have to buy digitally i think there will be consoles that are online only that will not have physical medium capability and i think at some point in the time people are just going to be able to get over it there's obviously going to be initial pushback but i think at some point in time the future is trending in that direction and those days of new systems coming out with the capability of putting in physical medium will probably be, I'm going to say not too much longer in the future. I just think that's the way the, the industry is trending. It's cheaper. It's more effective. There's a higher profit margin with, with downloadable games. And I just think that's the trend going forward. And for GameStop, that is a bad sign. And you could only have so many quarters where you're losing close to $500 million. That's not a good sign long-term going forward. As someone who ran video game stores back in the previous decade, this to me is a very sad sign. But the days of us buying physical games will come to an end. And along with that, the brick and mortar stores of GameStop will probably go ahead and fade away, just like so many other retail outlets have over the past 20 years. What are your thoughts out there on the future of GameStop? Do you feel like us that unfortunately the days of going to your local GameStop will at some point come to an end? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. All right, my friend, it's been a great show. Any last thoughts on the way out, my friend? Keep checking out the website. A lot of good stuff. I started doing a, uh, which I hope to get back to soon. I'm, I'm breaking down Russell Brand's book that he wrote. Russell Brand from Forgetting Sarah Marshall and Get Him to the Greek. So I'm, I'm doing a little review of his book, trying to get a review of all 12 chapters up there. So keep checking back for that. But yeah, be sure to check out our website. Check out everything we got going on. Keep paying attention for more info on the Vegas stuff. And we'll be live streaming and it's going to be a lot of good stuff going on. And we would love if you could donate or be a part of it. It's all going towards a good cause.
Right now, I'm also checking out the Sennheiser GSB 550. Thank you for Sennheiser for sending them over. I'll, I'll be going ahead and giving a review on the air on our Friday show and then also sending my thoughts as well to our site, popculturecosmos.com. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Let's talk about the Flopcast. Where every week we drink a lot of coffee and we talk about comic books, movies, conventions, music, Saturday morning cartoons. Oh, don't forget the coffee. Lots of weird, obscure pop culture stuff from the 70s and 80s. And chickens. Yeah, chickens. This will be the stupidest half hour of your week. We guarantee it. You can find us on the ESO Network. And... Flopcast.net. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network. Your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.